Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast. That's our podcast. <laughs> we are the weekly reading comic book podcast. Yep. Where we read First Issue comic books. Only. Exclusively. First Issues. Every once in a while, I have a uh, number two <laughs> that puts a little post-it note over to the corner and is like, hey guys. Uh, feel like taking me for a spin? And I say, <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been around the block. I've seen enough first issues to know that you ain't one, honey. You're not the thing I want to read. Get to stepping. <laughs> I step those staples out of here. Well, the industry has heard about us mm-hmm. because they make a shit ton of number ones now. They yeah. they know. They, they, they're not, they could be thinking that's what people want to buy. Mm-hmm. But more so, they're thinking, that's what First Issue Club wants to cover. Let's take advantage of this podcast, because they'll buy any stupid First Issue we put out. Yeah, we're at least going to make $4 on these suckers. Right. <laughs> that you have. Yes. Um, in the club today is me, Budgie King. And me, Mike D. We are Greg and Caitlin Liss. Mm-hmm. And uh, we last time we coined a phrase called the Comic Book Curious. Yep. I like that as our brand. Okay. If you are comic book curious or if you're a comic book veteran, this is a, uh, a could be a podcast for you. I don't sure. like being all things for all people, though. Um, you want to hone <laughs> in and find an even more niche thing for us to do. <laughs> than like, yes. Than, than we, just first issues. Than just weekly comic books. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, come along for the ride. Um, I think it is very unique. That we try to be even accessible a little bit. <laughs> You're right. You are absolutely right. <laughs> the key thing about comic book fans is that they want to alienate as many people as possible. If you're a listener, you're probably not that type of person. Right, totally. We're the good ones. We, we're the good people. <laughs> yeah. All the other comic book people who don't listen to our podcast, they're assholes. Correct. Yes. They're inaccessible. They don't want anyone else to be part of the community. We do. Right. I that, that's a that's a great point. If you if you walk into the comic book store and you have you have a good ass time, you're gonna have a good ass time listening to this podcast. Yeah, we got it. We got a weekly uh, weekly roundup. A bunch of shit today. We are covering. Um, sorry that I swear so much too. By the way, I just get in the mode. I notice that so much when I edit our show that I swear too much. No, that we all do. Yeah, and it, it, I feel like it makes us sound dumber. It does. It's not. It's not endearing. Yeah. I don't know why I do it. It's so by habit now. Mm-hmm. But it's like, we all sound like we're from New Jersey. <laughs> you know what? East Coast accents fuel the like little bit of East Coast accent that I have. Yeah. We, and it we just bounce off of each other until we're talking a little more like Jersey and, and start and both to lose. Of, yes. I mean, that's because we're both from New Jersey. Both of our dads swear a lot, I yeah. imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's natural. Yeah. If we come by it honestly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, okay, any, anyway, we are covering, um, Proctor Valley Road. Yep. Out on Boom Studios, um, which we're really excited to talk about. Children of the Atom from Marvel. Mm-hmm. I got some special stuff to say about that one. Ooh, <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> yeah, just wait, you just Not wait. Not just typical bullshit. Nah, it's, it's the special sauce. Here yeah. I am, cursing again. 
<laughs> I think it's going to be a hard habit to I kick. I was born this way. I don't think you're going to kick it on this episode. Uh, and then uh, the the big book, uh, Joker from DC. Yep. And then on, on the Patreon, we're going to cover Carmen with a K. Yep. Uh, an image book. And uh, we got and we got lots of other comic book stuff in in between mm-hmm. uh, that's happening. Um, I'm gonna start with this this thing first. I want to say it. Okay. We dipped our toes into NFTs last week yep. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and now today, where the one sold for sixty nine million dollars. <laughs> I would say we were ahead of the motherfucking curve. You're welcome for all the money you made <laughs> listening to First Issue Club last week. If you bought NFTs based on our spec, we, we uh, I don't know. You're killing it. Yeah. Sell them as fast as you can. Yes, yeah, yeah. Unsubscribe to all your spec sites. Just subscribe to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild. I've seen so many headlines in so many different industries over the past week. So it's going mondo big. Yeah, it is. It's Beanie Babies. And Pokemon cards. Combined. Yeah. Yes. Times a million. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is, I remember the first person who tried to explain Bitcoin to me. Uh And I was like, how can I get out of this conversation? This is like a nightmare. Right. Talking to this hippie about like made up money. Um, This is like a million times that conversation. You know what will get me to believe that nfts or bitcoin are real Mm. find me one female that's bought one (laughs) it's a very it's a very bro driven economy yes yeah (laughs) i just want one female Uh to just tweet that they bought a crypto yeah and i'll I'll believe it. crypto bros (laughs) and i'm not saying they are incapable but i'm i'm saying that i think that uh bros might have oh, neckbeards might have over dominated the market oh here. for sure right <laughs> and often women's women are ahead of the curve and a little mm-hmm. bit more insightful than men so there might not <laughs> this might be a a, t- a telltale sign <laughs> they're scared by the growing equality in our economic ecosystem <laughs> and so they're trying to turn success into this abstract weird thing that only they buy into right yes <laughs> All the neckbeard bros got together and said, let's change money into digital currency. Exactly. And not tell anyone else (laughs) until it's worth fucking trillions of dollars. You might be confused and think we're not a comic book podcast and we're like an economics podcast of sorts. uh, Especially since we're speaking so knowledgeably on the subject. (laughs) Yes, since we know. But all I want to do is give credit where credit is due. We knew about our shit. We nailed it on the NFTs. We could not have nailed it better. (laughs) All right. Uh, Sufficiently patted on the back. Yes. Thank you, us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in, uh, in, in real funny news or weird news, you probably saw this. I guess I'm imagining that you did see this, mm-hmm. that um, I guess mistakenly uh, you could play Tom and Jerry on the HBO Max uh, app yep. and it would play the new Snyder Cut of the Justice League, mm-hmm. which, uh, plug for us, we actually recorded the new Snyder Cut of... <laughs> Uh, Justice League on a oh, past yeah, episode. We got to see it like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So we've actually seen it and recorded a whole episode if you want to go back and check that out. Uh-huh. But did you see this headline about the Tom and Jerry thing? I did. I did. I saw that a couple people tweeted that they were watching it. And then about it, like a half an hour, 45 minute mark, they were like, ah, it dipped out. Okay. But I haven't heard too much of people saying that it was like, man, it wowed me. So <laughs> here's my thing. I feel like this is the perfect way 
to have released it and get people to not say bad shit about it. <laughs> it's like, whoops, we put it on another Warner Brothers entity on accident. <laughs> it was better than watching Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Who was also, what adult was clicking That's on? what's weird to me, that there's like a 35-year-old single guy who was just like kicking it at home one night and was like, I'm going to put on Tom and Jerry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I heard it best once about this Justice League movie. Nothing about the original made me think I need to see... Uh, Another two, version of it? Two hours and a half more of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... Like, is Citizen Kane going to be in the back half of this version? <laughs> like, I, I don't know that it will. Yeah, I just... I can't see it going well. The only thing I could see it going well is if it were a completely... Uh, forgot about shitty animated movie accidentally plays this movie yeah so far going well (laughs) uh let's uh let's talk about our first boom book yeah sounds good or our first book which is on boom yeah um proctor valley road i didn't realize this but it was co-created by a movie company that's right so this what does that mean this was already sold in to be created as a show or movie prior to even being printed. So this is one of those things that Netflix was doing with like I forgot the like name. Like the Millarverse yeah, comics. Yeah. That they're all just like Netflix just right out owns everything that Mark Millar writes for Image. Okay. Um this which, is the same thing. Which in theory, not that anybody reads comic books for their value, devalues this comic book because there's no like will it won't they? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it's like it will. So you either buy it or you don't. Yeah. There's no scarcity. I, I think there's always a big deal when you hear something got optioned and it's not already tied to a company. Normally in these cases, they print so many of something because they want there to be a conversation about yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Um it's interesting to me how savvy comic book people are to just be like aware of that and they're not to be a sort of bubble for the value of these intentional movie comic books yeah i mean i think it's because there's not a lot of new people buying comic books (laughs) you're exactly right so it's like yeah if there were new people then they'd be fooled right (laughs) but nobody's getting fooled um and anyway this we didn't mention this but it's written by veteran um one of my favorite uh, comic book authors Grant Morrison, yeah, and uh, co-authored by Alex Child, and then the artist is Naomi Franquiz. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Grant Morrison on this title was the big seller for for me and for probably a lot of people. Oh, ditto. I I think the thing I like about Grant Morrison is that he's always taking a comic book idea that he thinks is going to push the industry forward and and making it work in a comic book. Yeah. So I like that. Um, might be my favorite Brit. I can't think of a... Oh, okay. Right? I don't know. Do you, do you have a... Does Meghan Markle count as a Brit now? I like her because she's also American. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I like the, the... That's a killer combo, by the way. Uh-huh. If you can be British and American. Um, Adele might be in the... It's Grant Morrison, Adele. Do we count... Can we count dead people? Um, No, not for this game. He's got to be living. Okay. That's, Paul McCartney? Sure. Do you, do you like him better than Grant Morrison? I don't. I like Paul McCartney better than Grant Morrison. Okay. Yes. So we've arrived at the pyramid. Even though he dyes his hair in his, like, 80s. <laughs> You're 80. Do whatever the fuck you want. Who cares? Well, I'm kind of like, we know it's dyed. <laughs> it looks goofy at this point. Is he really 80? He's got to be 80. Damn, he looks good for 80. <laughs> <laughs> Fun diversion. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that we went down that mm-hmm. road. Uh, 
Proctor Valley Road, it first of all, is a title I cannot remember for the life in me. Same. Most forgettable title ever. Yeah. So um again, Boom Studios, we it give says you nothing about the <laughs> We give comic. you a, a lot of advice. One advice piece here would be make a more memorable title for mm-hmm. this great book. But also if Grant Morrison is writing a book on your publisher and says this is the title, <laughs> you're like, okay. You're right. But everybody's going to just be calling it the Grant Morrison book, unfortunately. I think so, too. <laughs> that Grant Morrison book on Boom. That became a movie. <laughs> um, it's about kids. Uh-huh. Um, Always love that. Check yes, one. Yeah. Uh, 1970s. Ugh. Yeah. I Okay, here's the thing. It's a period nostalgia for, like, classic rock yes. sort of thing, mm-hmm. which I don't really have a romanticism for. And I think a lot of people do. Okay. Yeah, I understand. There I just was, I just was... watched a Rush documentary this week. And? I loved it. Okay. And and, and I'm not a huge Rush fan, <laughs> which is why I think I liked it. But are you one of these people who like loves Always Famous or Almost Famous? Is that the name of that movie? Uh, I liked it before I knew good movies. Not to shit on that movie, but like <laughs> <laughs> when I was like, you know, coming of age, yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. They're mm-hmm. singing Elton John on a bus. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> or... <laughs> so I just um when I read My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies. Yes. Yeah. Which was, you know, a graphic novel mm-hmm. that was very much in the same vein, like set in the late sixties, early seventies, about a kid who's fascinated with um all these classic rock stars who OD'd or were going to OD later in the timeline. Right. And to me, that's just always. I always just picture like a corny dad, yes, writing these things. I picture my stepdad writing it. Yeah, and and yeah, you know how I feel about him. <laughs> uh, so that was just a thing for me to get past. Right, on this. I agree with that. the The premise here is that they need to go see Janis Joplin, which is uh, a a tier above um, classic rock. I think respected across. Uh, Everybody. Okay. I I don't know. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, and to do so, they're creating a ha- haunted ride in a place that's a haunted place of their town. Yeah. Um. And so that's that's a trajectory that's like fun kid shit in the seventies, mm-hmm. and then like the last three pages make it a full blown horror movie. Right. I don't know where it's gonna go in a bad way. <laughs> I think a lot of the time we say the books that leave you guessing like, oh, all the possible scenarios. I can see so many branches of where this could go and it's exciting to guess and think about all the possibilities and speculate. This book didn't leave me doing that. No. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, they went on a, to a scary road and there are like some monsters there that probably killed some kids. I wonder if it lowers the stakes for you as a writer knowing that it's already a movie. So you're like, eh, whatever. Kind of dialing it in. I don't know. I also think, like, if I'm making a movie and my marketing plan is to have a comic book come out for Mm -hmm. it, I'd want to see the data that that pays off before I really invest in that. Sure. Because I I am, as a comic book person, (laughs) am not convinced that that's going to be a clear route to getting marketing fame for yourself. But maybe, maybe you get people discussing it and you see the idea, especially if you're going to do a new idea that doesn't exist on mm-hmm. a pre-existing universe, yep. that might be the way to go. That's probably the uh, the thinking. I've mm-hmm. talked myself into it being a good idea. <laughs> I'll say that sometimes when I'm flipping through uh, HBO 
and I'm like, oh yeah, this was a comic book thing. Yeah. I'm more likely to check it Just out. Just to actually click it. But there's also not that many of us, like you mentioned, like yeah. not everybody's going into a comic book store or reading that like, oh, this has already got optioned. Right. Oh, let me go check that out. I mean, I don't know. Uh, so speaking of HBO Max, yep. Um, there's a there's a there's a couple animated shows, mm-hmm. one of which is going to be on HBO Max that got optioned this week. Loving it. Comics are ruling the world, and I'm <laughs> on fucking top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> this is just like NFTs. Like bet on us, uh, bet on these. Come here to know what to invest in if you want. You're killing it on these. I think both of the things that got optioned, you have copies of. Uh, yes. This is the thing, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm killing it. Is that I have over invested yep. in the last eight years on independent comic books. Yeah. So if there is a number one that exists in independent comic you books, you probably have it. There's a eighty percent chance that I have mm-hmm. it, which is absurd. And been that's a that's an end all bad investment for my wallet. Yeah. No way do I recover from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these occasional books where I get these and I get tiny spikes yeah. is never gonna make it up. I have, I think three short boxes. Of what I would call micro publishers. Okay. That are just like none of them I have enough of to validate having a full short box for just one of those publishers. Mm-hmm. And obviously, those are almost all first issues, right? Right. Yeah. If they had like longer, ongoing, interesting things, they would probably be into the other boxes. somewhere else, yeah. else in my collection. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. I have six of those boxes. Oh my God. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. It is a lot. It's too many. <laughs> I think I'm more like, nah, when I see first issues. My, my gut, to be honest, rooted action is that that's oh, a new creator and they're trying a new book. I'll give them four bucks. I'll, you're, I'll you're, try it out. You're doing a solid for people putting themselves out there. Yeah. I am not often thinking, for instance, this book, Slam, from mm-hmm. <laughs> from Boom, which is about a roller derby team, and uh-huh. it was a one in four part, is going to become a movie, and I'm going to have a $200 comic book five years from now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the artwork was phenomenal, stunning. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, and it was a fun female seemingly female powered uh, book um so slam we mentioned is going to be on hbo max produced by rooster teeth yeah um which is uh we've talked about them they've done uh, ruby yes mm-hmm. um and they started with uh red versus blue the i have no uh, idea what that is it's uh it has a word for it but it's, it was halo in-game animated oh um series okay and it's like funny they dub over it and stuff and for, for the time it doesn't really age well but for the time it was really funny okay cool kind of yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I trust you. I'll never watch it. It's not worth it. I was into it, but I was about to say like I was also like a you know basement bro with not a lot of friends at the time. Uh-huh. So who knows if Just it was really warming good. up taquitos in a microwave? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's watch some more than Halo show, <laughs> and then play Halo. It's like two things we can do. Um, and then uh, Canto. Yeah. Which is a book we didn't cover because it looks like it is a book written for six-year-olds. And no offense to six-year-olds, but they're just not our audience. Right. And this book is a mostly helmet person who has tiny little arms and tiny little feet. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's people love it. I remember seeing it in my comic shop and thinking, nope. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I grabbed it, and it was like fine. Mm-hmm. It was like, but people fucking loved it. Yeah. And it got a whole other book. Um, I believe it's on IDW. The the newsworthy thing about this is <laughs> Will and Jaden Smith's production studio bought it to be a feature animated film. Wild. 
I uh, cannot, out of all things, I could not believe Canto. I I never read it. I just know it from the cover. Yeah. And just being like, that book's getting hyped? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I agree. There's there's this weird thing where it's like, I guess 6,000 of the original number ones were damaged. Uh-huh. And so the first book was like always kind of on spec charts. So sometimes that helps just fuel the fire of yeah. something that's like, if it's just all right or above. Right. People are just nuts because it's also collectible because of some weird thing. I think in the niches of independent comic book readers, this book is borderline beloved. So it, it is less huh. surprising to me that, okay. it, that it became. People really are fan fan out for this book. Weird. Um, it's a little bit like another book you probably don't necessarily read, but have you you've seen Mouse Guard? Yes. That's a great comp for where this might exist. Yes. Because there are people who are huge, major fans of it. Huge fans. I remember talking to a guy at a con who was going to be writing a mouse guard short story mm-hmm. and he was like it's like a fucking dream come true <laughs> i mean you would have asked me five years ago if i'd be you know penning a story for mouse guard that would affect the canon of that series that would blow my mind right. and i was like of all things <laughs> mouse guard mouse guard people fan out for it yeah yeah and there's a lot of merch for it there's a lot of weird merch that i don't understand uh, yeah, it's and it's so it's 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 in that to me it seems like it's in that realm. Uh huh. So, um, yeah. So Teach those are their own. Yeah, those are going to be two shows. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they actually get made. It seems like Slam is getting made though. Uh, so okay, let's talk about this Marvel book. Yeah. Uh, Children of the Atom. Yes. Um, special place in our hearts. Yes. We a year ago, over a year ago, mm-hmm. we were witness to the discussion of this book. Yes. What it would be in the pitch of it. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken with it. I really liked it, the the pitch of it, because it was this take on like B team X Men yeah. trying to be not even millennial, but Gen Xified. Yes. Which I think they Marvel doesn't do really well. Marvel does young millennial really well, uh-huh. but doesn't necessarily do Gen Z or Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I said Gen X, I meant to say Gen Z. Yeah. Gen Zified. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, let's see where this goes. It's cool. It's definitely a teen book. Yep. Like, no doubt about it, this is a teen book. Yes. Um, but it's also like you see the characters in the X-Men also reflect current teenagers, I feel like. Yes. So that's, yeah. Children of the Atom, I don't know if we need to do any setup. There's They had their first appearance in another book. This isn't their first appearance. They had a cameo appear- team appearance somewhere else. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So this isn't their quite first. It might be their first appearance, but they had a cameo somewhere else. Okay. Um, and there's like a bunch, these characters are like almost adjacent to other characters. Yes. They look like super fans. Yes. It's like if you found out you were a mutant and looked up to Wolverine or Cyclops or Cyclops and you just like fashioned your whole outfit and deal after them. Right. That's what these kids are. Yeah. And so there is. found each other at like a high school. (laughs) They happen to all go to the same high school. Is that yeah? I think that's the deal. I think they all go to the same high school. Yeah, and they're all keeping it secret that they're mutants. Mm-hmm. And in the current storyline of X Men, big big guy mutants, X Men, Storm, Cyclops, big guy mutants, <laughs> adults, adults, are concerned, and they say you got to come to our country, you got to come to Krakoa. That's why we created this. Yeah. Like you got to come over. That's the only place you'll be safe. And they seem not into it. So yeah. there's the big debate. In the adult X Men world, of like, well, can we force teens to do something that we want to do? 
This book to me was also about, I think you could say a book was Gen Zifying the X-Men and you would expect lots of like cell phone TikTok references, <laughs> you know? And this was more about fandom and seeing themselves as like fans of a thing and and stuff. And so like one really, I think maybe the coolest scene is like how they're fanning out on Dazzler. Yes. And they want to go see the mutant performer Dazzler uh, and like talking about how they're going to get tickets. And, and they're also like negotiating friends in like this like distant way that doesn't seem like I did high school. Mm-hmm. And it like it's it's a I think it's a good just high school book. Yeah. Like current high school book. Right. Um, I I loved that we immediately got into a sort of weird high school friend love triangle. Yes. Yeah. Like. It speaks to so much of like the microcosm of your friends, even though we're so far from identifying with Gen Z people. There's just some things about being that age that you'll always just be able to understand or talk to your kids about. And one of those things is like the microcosm of your friend group and how everything seems like it's the biggest deal in the world. And they're the only people you know. So when you're, you think you're in love with somebody who your friend is also in love with, like that's a disaster. And we jump right into that in this right. first issue. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I want to see how this plays out. It is weird how determinate the relationship hunt uh-huh. was on my emotional well being in high school. <laughs> uh-huh. And that would be my advice for any high schooler. Yeah. Is like, don't yeah just four years is not a long time just spend your four years without it you will have a better time you will enjoy your (laughs) life so much more if 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 you have a relationship or not Uh, it doesn't rule your life yeah and i'm not saying don't date like date a bunch you know do whatever sexual activity you want to do safely not that high schoolers are listening to me saying this (laughs) but i think don't don't make yourself worth based on what other fucking high schooler feels love for you or not yeah i i told my cousin who was in high school this uh a year or so ago that was like everything seems like it's an atom bomb just got dropped on your head and it is like not the case right like five years i kids probably hate hearing this they absolutely hate hearing but this. it's like five years from now you're not gonna give a shit about this moment i guess they just have to trust you when you hear so many people telling you like Dude, <laughs> who gives a shit what Karen thought? Take take risks. Yeah, but don't don't fucking worry about this bullshit. Right. And uh, and we see it play out here. I think to bring it back around, like it 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 ruins uh you know one of the characters like day in life, and it's yeah. the, all it's all consuming. Is, mm-hmm. And I get it. I relate to that. Yeah. I found this book very relatable, but also very insightful. I I I I knew I was gonna like this book, and mm-hmm. it slammed it. We didn't even mention the author. We should have. Um. V- Vite Ayala, we met her. She mm-hmm. she seemed really cool. Yeah. Um, I wasn't familiar with other stuff that she's done. And then Bernard Chang is was the artist. Yeah. Um, but like they they sold the she sold the book like super well at the con to the point that I was like excited a year later. I think it helped me like the book or buy in a mm-hmm. little more. I'd be interested to see if I thought any different without having talk to the creator right (laughs) had it like had her like very passionately say how connected she was to the characters and how much they meant to her totally it was just very endearing and it made the book easier to enjoy 
One thing that I thought was interesting was that the book was sold as like the X-Men are getting sidekicks, which like didn't even happen. Well, the, I the, think the, the characters are kind of modeled after who they look up to or who their powers mimic al- align with or mimic. Right. I forgot about that, but I think that that it might be the journey of becoming a sidekick. Sure. They're all fans. I, I love that as yeah. a storyline. But like, I think that one of their names is like Daycrawler. Uh huh. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh And they bamf. Yep. Uh, just like Nightcrawler does. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's a Cyclops reference. There's all of those like other sidekicks or right. whatever. So um, the big thing is here that we can just leave you with is that they actually, in the end, turn of events decide we're going to go to Krakoa. We're gonna di- we're gonna dip out on this thing we were unsure about. Can't get in. Yeah, they walk right through the gate. Yep. So they uh, just and the other side is still normal Earth. Right? right. That's what happens when humans walk through the gate. They don't magically appear in Krakoa. They just bloop 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 go yeah. back and forth. And they look very defeated. They fall to their knees and they're like, "Why <laughs> no me? I gotta get through. No one accepts us." Um. Yeah. So uh, that was Children of the Atom, and it's, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, we're going to get into something we talked about last week. It doesn't matter if we talked about it or not. No, who cares? There's, there's a new publisher. Why is it? Nothing matters. <laughs> Nothing matters. The whole world's a void. It's all nihilism. <laughs> we're all ending to the black hole. Yep. Um, okay. There's a publisher called Bad Idea. Mm-hmm. We've talked about them before. Yes. This segment is going to be called Is Bad Idea... A bad idea. Yeah. Hot topic. <laughs> Hot topic in the independent comic book world, for sure. Yeah. So last week they had a book, I believe it's pronounced ENIAC. Am I, I saying so that too. right? That's okay. how I've been saying it. Okay. It's it's spelled like that phonetically, so if it's not, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Matt Kent wrote that book. Our favorite writer. Which means he had two books last week. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Um, And this, their publishing model, that what they're doing is... They have first issues, mm-hmm. and they are only allocated to certain shops that sign up for a certain allotment. Mm-hmm. Or you can like pre-order with some digital distributors as well. Yep. And after that, every other single book is called not first issue. Or not first print. Not first print. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. They weren't directly saying oh, what the thing ours says, which is issue. <laughs> not, not, not first print. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's a different color of uh, how the title Logo. is Logo. Yeah. Okay. Which essentially means instead of a second printing, third printing, fourth and fifth, you'll just continually print copies of it that look identical until the end of time. Yes. And and they're not worth anything. Right. Yes. So don't mistakenly buy one on eBay for 40 bucks. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I thought I was buying the right one, but I ended up buying the wrong one. Whatever. Good Good job, that guy that got me. He's really smart. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're not going to be released digitally. They're not going to be collected on trades. And there are purposeful shorted runs. Like, there's only a certain amount that are getting printed, I think. I mean, they could print more, right? So the bad idea here might be that maybe nobody reads these fuckers. I don't think anyone's going to read it. Don't know what this book is about. Does look beautiful by Matt Kent. But the bad bad idea has a a bunch more comic books coming out. Yeah. And basically, maybe their thing is like, you're going to pre-order them all now? And you're like, I checked in Missouri and Kansas, all the stores that are getting bad idea comics, I've never heard of. Yeah. And I've shopped at a lot of comic book stores in these two states. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how this is, I don't know. How they decide who gets the comics and who doesn't. They have to be like, they make kind of a deal of being like a bad idea approved retailer. 
Right. Um, one of the their whole things, which is admirable, I think, is that if they catch you selling their comics online for a profit, you're cut off. You'll never get another bad idea. Oh, book y- again. your store. Yeah. Cool. So there's already at least one store that they've banned. Hell yeah. Because they were putting ENIAC books up on eBay. I love that. Isn't that killer? This is the thing that I think. I think they are nobly trying to to fuck up the publish industry. And I love that. I think they went into this thinking, we've got a lot of good ideas. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do things differently and shake things up a bit. Right. And I think people are mad they can't get their hands on this book. Uh, comic book people are very touchy about the concept of purposefully shorting things, mm-hmm. um, and people are really shitting on them this past week. Like the real heads that are like huge comic book fans, I've seen a ton of hate for Bad Idea. Me too. This past week, my personal opinion is that this is the first comic they've published. Maybe let's give them. A little bit of grace. Right. I've seen it. a ton of people saying, fuck them, I'll never buy a bad idea book. I guarantee you the next bad idea, number one, that those people see will definitely buy that book. If it's in their shop. Because we're all comic book collectors. Yes. Here's the other thing is that they could not have picked a worse date to combat collectible culture. Collectible <laughs> culture is on its, like... Yeah. You know, it's mile high tour. <laughs> Baseball cards are back. Oh, it's insane, yeah. you know? And so, like, now you, they created spec, which I don't think they were actually intending to create. I think they were trying a to create. A lot of people will disagree with you on that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm in that. Uh, sorry, I don't know if they, it seemed as if when I read mm-hmm. the PR for what they were doing, that they were trying to combat spec. That's Ag- what. Agree. Because in theory, spec doesn't benefit you as a publisher. No, you think uh, we hear a lot of people shitting on them that it's like, oh, now their books are worth a bunch of money. Did they so? Do they own all their extra books that they just sold? They sold their books for cover price or less. Right. Now, I I love not $200. I, they're not benefiting from resellers selling these. No. I love Boom Studios, but they have done some fuckery before with their second and third and whatever print runs to benefit on the spec market. Right. So, but good for them for figuring it out. This is not that. Right. The, I, I honestly think that they, it was a bad idea. They called it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it fueled the spec, the spec market. Right. You know, if you read what they said almost a year ago with what they were going to be doing, it was not their intention to create limited, like sought after books. Right. That was that's pretty clear. You can't argue mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. But you know, they did what they did. I'm. Are they unhappy that their books sold out and people are clamoring for more and they're going to have mm-hmm. to print more? Probably. I don't know. They have probably mixed feelings about mm-hmm. it. So. Did they underprint books? Intentionally. Yes. But. Well, I don't know that they underprinted them intentionally. But now they can just print that second book, which is the not first print, a million times. Mm-hmm. I, like they could print it forever, right? And people could read it, and they might do that, right? The only problem is you can't get these books from your shop really, mm-hmm. because you had to be like this random ass way of getting it, right? And I don't know. So the the idea of saying that 
we're going to try to get this to comic book shops who aren't shitty, who aren't going to resell. And we've got this curated list of those shops that we're going to work with. And you had, I think. Sounds great on paper, right? There's a handful of things you had to commit to. And then also if you're a store that's not buying directly through Diamond, which Uh let's not get into the whole of that or whatever, then it might be complicated for you to have to pick up this other weird independent like book and stuff. So I don't know. I, I'm excited to read it. Same. Um, and uh, they have a bunch more books coming out. You can order, you can pre-order these um, if you need to mm-hmm. on uh, Things from Another World or Midtown. If you're like want to get them, they're available. So yeah. uh, that might be where to go if your store isn't carrying them. Yeah. So. All right. And then our last book. Oh, bi- can I say? Yeah. We both got our hands on a copy of this mm-hmm. on our Patreon. I'm going to play a game. I've prepared a bunch of scenarios. Oh, yes. About 20. Wherein I'm going to say, would you trade your copy of ENIAC number one for blank? I cannot wait okay. for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, good. Yeah, we got a lot of fun stuff on the Patreon. Okay. Um, Joker. Big book. Maybe maybe biggest book of the week? I don't know. I think so. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, tons of... <laughs> tons of writers, tons of uh, illustrators, not worth mentioning. I mean, there's the, a lot of a lot of big names. Yeah, the main story was James Tiny Yan Yan. <laughs> Tiny Yan Yan Yan. Did we say it right for you? Who's <laughs> <laughs> been uh, writing Batman, and I think he just has a co-author. Okay. Which, if you remember, Tom King did that with James on his Batman run. Oh, before so he I passed the torch? Okay. Yeah, so I think it's kind of just That's like a passing it, paying it forward. Yeah, giving another person some chops to like write on like a huge massive book, so that's going on. There was a support story that was just punchline, punchline, punchline trial. Yes, yeah. the kind of direct follow up to the punchline one shot that we got, mm-hmm. which I was glad to get. So anyway, punchline gets a little trial story. Yep, in there, and did this is interesting. Did you so DC doesn't typically doesn't do um, letters to the editor. Well, most big two bo- books don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they do do is like in the back of every week's they'll, they'll like preview something. Yeah. This week's preview was the Joker. Uh-huh. Did you read it? No. It was interesting because he talks about the main concepts, probably the big overarching concepts of this, uh-huh. which is this is a Joker story without Batman. Yep. This is uh, a Commissioner Gordon kind of uh, last hurrah. That was so cool. Yeah. I loved so much of that. We'll get into it later, but... Um, story and then uh, something else I forgot, but it was a cool little preview mm-hmm. that they did. So yeah, that th- that that is the story. You want to tell them about it? Yeah, uh, this is essentially Commissioner Gordon being approached by a mysterious woman on behalf of a huge cabal of rich people <laughs> to finally track down the Joker and kill him. Loved that entire scene where he's being pitched on the concept of killing the Joker. He's like, hey, I was chief of police. Like, I'm not a bounty hunter. I don't break the law. I'm not going to kill somebody. Meanwhile, through the entire book, they've been building up the idea that have you experienced or seen the face of evil? Mm -hmm. Do you know true evil? Is that something you can ever forget once you actually see it. They're supplanting all these ideas in your head that say 
over and over, this man has hurt you and destroyed your life so much, which really throughout the, the Joker's done some really fucked up stuff to Commissioner Gordon and his family. Probably resulted in his son's death. Yes. And almost his daughter's death as well. Yes. Now, I know that a lot of that is just throughout the course of like... Living in Gotham. (laughs) 70 years of Batman comics. Like, everyone's on the table, so you're just going to like fuck people up. up. But it was nice to recontextualize all of it into like one soul story and relationship and all the grudges that this one person would hold. I think we find him in a place where he's like, yeah, if I can prevent him from doing this to other people, it's worth it. If I can have some sort of solace in knowing that when I go to sleep, I can say I've taken the person off the earth who's (laughs) destroyed my family and will destroy others. Like, I can do that. And I get $25 million. They offer him $25 million if he's successful. And in the meantime, while he's hunting the Joker, he can do so in perpetuity and have his lifestyle paid for. Right. So he's in he could a just, great place. He could just draw this out and go on vacation for a little while. Right. Time he definitely could. And not even worry about it. The Joker, at, at his last, like, point that they were following him was in like Belize or something. Yeah. He was like somewhere beautiful. <laughs> right. With the Hawaiian shirt on. Uh-huh. We we talked about in Punchline where it's like you have to imagine in Gotham everybody's had their Joker moment. Yeah. And that's really what feeds the villain of Punchline, right? Mm-hmm. She the fandom that she has for Joker. Here, I think it's so interesting to be like, okay, we got a new Joker book. We get it. We've overdone Joker. Like like honestly Joker's probably the biggest entity of the DC universe. Sure. Honestly, arguably bigger than Batman and Superman in some ways. In some ways. Yeah. I guess he's like the villain that transcends all villains. Right. And and people grab, it's a little bit more iconic. Like, sure. it, it's tough to name Batman characteristics because he's like so mysterious. And then. Uh, same with Superman. He's a strong white guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Joker's got a lot of... <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah. Very iconic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, to, to be like, I'm doing the mental gymnastics of like, how do I write a Joker story that's different? Uh-huh. What if it's not even a Joker story? What if it's a Commissioner Gordon story and Joker's in the background? Yeah. That, to me, is beautiful. I love that. This blew my butt off. <laughs> there, at points, I was reading this and just like processing Jim Gordon's relationship with the Joker... It's also like we we just hit a point of frustration in the mainline Batman story again where he had an opportunity. Harley Quinn put him in a position, Batman in a position to say, like, kill the Joker. You need to do this. And he still didn't. Uh, Batman's not going to kill the Joker. He's never going to kill anyone anymore. He's done. The government, Gotham needs to kill Joker. They need to, like, when they have him in jail, just euthanize him. That's, right. That's how it needs to go. Right. <laughs> they can't, like, it, it, a, a vigilante or a police officer can't be, you know. It's beyond absurd at this point. <laughs> it like, is. How many yeah. times he's been captured and got back out and how many times Batman's had a chance to, like, end this and hasn't. It's, to me, not interesting or disappointing Every time I read a story where it comes to a head between the two of them, 
and Joker wanders off, and Batman is like, ah, ah, couldn't do c- it, couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um. So at least it's a different person who you know may, won't won't kill him. <laughs> may or may not have the same crisis of, um, faith and honor when they are presented with that situation. But hopefully, like. What? Something different about the story is happening because of that. I guess it becomes more of a um, crime caper detective yeah. story than it's almost is a little, typical. It's less of a superhero story. It's a little bit like um, uh, No Country for Old Men. Sure, it's, you know it's this last cowboy run. Yeah, uh, of this adventure, we're going to see what you know Gahones he has. Yeah, if I'm the Joker, and I or if I want to write killing the Joker, this is how I do it. Yep. Okay, Joker dies, gets killed. Oh, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But he planted an atom bomb. Atom bomb blows up go- go- Gotham. Now the whole series is ghost. Everybody's back and you get you deal with <laughs> Now it's ghost Gotham. Gotham afterlife. <laughs> yes. Cool. Hey, I did it. Uh, Come at me, DC. <laughs> now they can't use it or you can sue them. Yeah, copyright. Said it. <laughs> copyright with your characters. Uh, yeah, yeah. My characters, <laughs> I said it. Okay. NFT. Um, <laughs> uh, that was a sode. We did it. Yes. It was a fun one. Uh-huh. Thanks for joining me, Mike D. Of course. Thank you for also having me join you, Butcher King. Yeah, it was good. We'll do the Patreon. Come join us if you want, if you're on there. Okay. That was to the audience. But you guys did. I'll see you there, and the audience will see us there. You'll hear me there, yeah. We'll see each other. Yeah. Be good. There you go. Bye. Bye. Salute.